five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. on the internet all right that was a wall of voodoo mexican radio what's happening everybody i'm here it's at 9 16 a.m central standard time texas hill country you're either watching or listening to another edition of uh, 15 minutes of flame where we get together at 9 11 a.m Monday through Thursday for now. And um, we mash it up. This is what happens here. How do you like the, the new picture? Do you like the new picture? I mean, it's the same me, but it's a new... By the way, that's Big Sur behind me. One of the best places in the world, as far as I'm concerned. It's a shame that it's in California. <laughs> Can't we just get Big Sur in Texas? If we get Big Sur in Texas, the world would be complete. Maybe we will one day. Maybe Texas will have its own version of Big Sur. And maybe I'll be around to <laughs> witness it. Anyway, I got a new camera. Look at this. What do you think of the new camera? I'm actually like digging this new picture. The other camera is sort of fading. I might have to get another one because I've been watching it. And sometimes the screen sort of blinks out. And I've had that camera, the other camera for, well, since I started streaming. That's the camera that I, and at that time, it was um, the, the top of the line for Logitech in terms of camera streaming, right, for HD, for stuff like this. This one is at least one or two generations removed from that and better. Boy, I'm really digging this picture. It's the first time I've actually seen it. I got it yesterday. So actually I ordered it last week. This is what where your contributions go to, by the way. It helps me stay up on the, uh, the quality of the, the production and the broadcast. So, wow. It looks like I'm really in Big Sur. Look at that. All I need is just the, the wave splashing in and a little bit of uh, sound effect. That's, that's great. Anyway, welcome to the show. Um, Wall of Voodoo. That's, Wall of Voodoo is an example of a band where when the lead singer left the band, Stan, who's the lead singer of Wall of Voodoo, when he left the band both the band and the lead singer did not do as well. He had a solo career. It was okay. He did uh, one record, Mosquito Coast. It's not bad. It's 
It's all right. And then Wall of Voodoo replaced him with this guy named Andy Pryboy, who was uh, a singer for one of my favorite San Francisco bands called Eye Protection, who were great. They were amazing live. And uh, they had this one tune called Elroy Judson. And uh, it was Elroy Judson, 21st Century Spy. Elroy Judson lives like he wants to die. So it was this idea that Elroy Jetson grows up. And who does Elroy Jetson become when he grows up? He's a 21st century spy. Anyway, Andy Pryboy, very, very charismatic, great lead singer. And uh, Walla Voodoo decided to replace Stan with Andy Pryboy. And I think Andy Pryboy was probably more famous for his very turgid love affair with Jeanette Napolitano who was uh, the lead singer of Concrete Blonde, who I believe is born September 22nd. She might be born on my birthday, quite possibly. Anyway, how is everybody today? Um, a sad day in Chataria. Our dear friend Ryan uh, is uh, dealing with the passing of his uh, uh, companion, Squeaky. Squeaky the cat, and uh, I got a text from Ryan this morning. He's pretty, pretty torn up. You know, a lot of times people think that you know it's it's just you know well they're you know they're pets or you know they're replaceable or you know they're disposable. That's not true. That is not true. Animals occupy the same space as people in our lives, and um, they're very important to us. And I know, you know, the whole cat thing is a little weird because cats have a strange reputation and people who have cats have a bit of a strange reputation too. Like, you know, people aren't called dog people. Well, that's, you know, like she's a dog lady. You don't you never hear the term dog lady, right? But you hear the term cat lady. So there's this weird relation between humans and cats because Cats are unlike dogs. They're, they're, you know, men are from, dogs are from Mars and cats are from Venus. And uh, I've always, I was always, I love animals just in general. I've always loved animals. Um, but I was, I was a big dog person. I always had dogs, loved dogs. I had a lifelong companion dog. Well, it wasn't lifelong, but Sure felt like it. it came into my life when I was uh, 27. And then he uh, passed away when I was uh, around uh, 41. So pretty good run. Pretty good run. And he had a pretty amazing life. That was the last that was the last dog I officially had. I had two unofficial dogs that didn't last very long for various reasons. I tried to get back into the dog world, but the dog world and me were not, we were clicking. That doesn't mean I didn't like the dogs. It doesn't mean I, I don't dig dogs. I think they're great. But uh, both times I tried to tried to rekindle my relationship with dogs and it didn't work. And, for, and you guys know the little Ringo story with the puppy and everything, who was <clears throat> sure to uh, terrorize the house that I was living in and was clearly terrorizing Jasper and Rosie. 
And I just like, okay, we can't have this. So I rehomed him and he got a, he got a fine home anyway. But when we lose our animals, it's a very big, it's a big deal. And, you know, when uh, Rosie was really sick, and Rosie, by the way, is in this weird place. I mean, I, I know she still has this, this, uh, these uh, sarcomas in her lungs, at least one, right? But because we've been using the Rife machine, it's, it's helped her a lot. Like, it's helped her so much that I'm probably going to buy a Rife machine. And um, I was using uh, Dr. S's Rife machine, but it was so effective. I've got to get one now. Not only that, but I, I need to have some continuity with, uh, with Rosie and uh, the Rife machine because she's getting better. Like her appetite is way up. Before she had no appetite. She was listless. Her coat was matted. It was like she was on the way out. And um, it's crazy now. She's She was jumping in on Jasper's food this morning. That's how much of a change she's experienced. So when we lose a pet, and even even the uh, you know the cat because everything's cats are just replaceable because there's so many of them right they're just oh just get another cat it's hard cats have unique personalities just like people do you know not all cats are the same and I'm not even close so when we lose somebody we're like a cat we're not just losing a pet we're we're losing a part of our family we're losing a personality that we've um, grown attached to and if you're somebody who doesn't have any kids you know your your animals become your children and you know and there's there's a discussion to be had about that there's i think there's positive attributes some people can't have kids they just can't have kids for whatever reason some people choose not to have kids I'm, and i'm not here to cast judgment on people that choose not to have kids it's their it's their life right you know, or if they can't have kids, it's, it is what it is. So they have, um, you know, they have pets. And so when you don't have a child and you do, uh, and you do have a pet that takes on another dimension and shape and form in one's life, it's a big deal. So, you know, Ryan, I uh, know exactly how you're feeling, what you're going through, because Uh, I was there about a month and a half ago, and for whatever reason, um, this, uh, this this quantum science has uh, altered that slightly. Although I don't know how for how long. I mean, I don't know how how much longer Rosie has to live. You know, but for now she's she's still sticking around. And the week after I came back from spring break. She was um, she was horrible, and it was looking like I was going to have to put her down. And that whole week, I was a mess. I was a total mess. And when I wasn't working with clients and I wasn't doing a show, I was I was I was in tears. So, am I doing the right show today? I just want to make sure because some some weird stuff happened today. Let's see where are we. Some weird stuff happened today. Are we on with this? Yeah. Um, I have a spooky too. I need to use Tamara. I may reach out to you. 
I may reach out to you. Yeah, it looks like I'm, I'm not, okay. Some weird stuff was happening with the uh, Zoom pass. Tamara, I may reach out to you actually, because I do have a spooky too. And um, the I got a computer and I just need to hook it up. So I'm going to reach out to you. Thank you for bringing that up. Let's uh, check in with people. Who do we have here? We got uh, my man, Thomas, front and center. What's going on, brother? Catherine Kramer, double K. Good morning. Empath is here. Have a sinking feeling. Another shoe is about to drop. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that we have to live with that, that kind of awareness, but because we've all become hyper attenuated around, you know, these imminent threats to our well-being, our jobs, our families, our home, our environment. What do you expect? What do you expect? Hyper attenuation is probably the most natural and, um, um, and logical response to the world that we're living in. I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that empath. Kelly B, good morning to you. There's C Pines. Wendy says, hello, Wendy. Good morning. Sony's here. Uh, Garrett Brooks, what's going on, Garrett? Howdy back. Hucklebuck411 is here. Checking in Miss Nikia. Kabuki Theater, right on time. There's my man, Michael. He, I get a good song on the Mexican radio. I saw Walla Voodoo one time. They were great. They were fantastic. I mean, they were clearly ahead of their time, just in terms of synthesizers and sequencing. It was at that early, you know, 1981, 82, right around there. And if you were going to use electronics, electronics were just beginning to get scaled down a little bit. You go back and like when I was uh, in my in my uh, teens in high school, I used to really be into the tubes. They were they were it was a local band. I used to see them all the time, uh, and they had this key, they had this synthesizer player named Michael Cotton who was really talented. And when he brought his synthesizer on stage, it was kind of a big deal. It was. You know, he had, it was, I believe it was, um, um, it was, I think it was a Moog synthesizer with all the patches and stuff. You know, back in the day, synthesizers were like, the, the triggering with the keyboards with synthesizers came later. Before with synthesizers, it was very complicated. And I actually took an electronic music class in college and the synthesizer that they had there was called a Buchla. And um, it, was, it, it was above my pay grade. I'm just going to tell you right now. Because I'm not an engineer in that way. And that's what it was about. You had gates, you had white noise, you had pink noise. There was, <laughs> it was, it was above my pay grade. There was a lot of patches going on. And that was in 1982, 83. And that was at a university. It was one of the few Buchla synthesizers that were around, like that you could actually learn on and train on. And at that time, uh, the synthesizer was really still in that world of avant-garde music. So when Wall Voodoo comes around, it's starting to shrink a little bit. And you're getting into sequencing and drum machines, because you can hear the drum machine in that. It, great band. And they pulled it off live. Uh, France here, CC Jones, what's going on? Good to see you, Fran. 
Uh, let's see, money for nothing and chicks for free. <laughs> you know, that's funny that you bring that up because while well, dude, that song was really tied into MTV. Like it was like, wow. You know, that was one of the first videos I think that really took off because of its presentation. It's really well done. And especially at the end, when he, I, I didn't leave it to the end, where he sticks his head up through the beans. Who, who copped that? I think it was Peter Gabriel. I think Peter Gabriel did something like that with, did he do that on like uh, Sledgehammer maybe or um, Steam, right? I think it's one of those two. But yeah, I mean, they had the right video for the right medium at the right time. Good call on that. Huckle Black says, ready to walk like an Egyptian. Reminds me of the suburbs. I remember that band. Did the suburbs do a song called This Is the Sound of the Summer? I think it might be. I could be wrong. 80s videos were just so freaking weird. Kelly, you had to be there. You had to be there. If you were there, you'd understand why. That is So the bean thing did come through. Oh, good. Bean there, done that. That's funny. Here's my man, Steve. What's going on, brother? Thor at the door. Good to see you. Uh, let's see. Jack Kerouac had an It's easy to have an experience in Big Sur. I've told this story before, but you know, we, I, I, you know what's great about my stories? I can, I can retell them because a lot of times there's like different waves of people who have, <laughs> who have been part of the content for a long time, right? So maybe some of you have heard this story, but I'm, I'm guessing that the majority of you haven't. It's a big story, big story story. And I can talk about this now because my kid is 18. And for a while, I couldn't talk about my kid. That's a whole other story. Anyway, so I think he was around seven or eight. I think he was around seven. Because by the time he was eight, we're getting ready to leave California, I think. Um, anyway, so it's around, uh, 2011. So he was seven and, you know, not, not real big, but kind of, you know, sort of big for his age a little bit, but not too big. Um, so we decide, okay, I'm going to take my kid to a uh, big serve. It's going to be, you know, father, son thing. <laughs> and the whole, the whole, the whole time we were there is quite interesting. So, uh, we went there. And uh, I didn't bring a tent and we're camping outside. I did not bring a tent. And it's not because I'm not an experienced camper. It's because, well, I didn't have a tent. So what I did have is I had a nice big blow up mattress and I had blankets and it's a campground. We're not, we're not out in the mountains, a big serve. Okay. We're not, you know, we're in a campground. So we spent the first night in this inflatable bed by my, I think I had a Range Rover at that time. It was fine. It was absolutely fine. We were good. And then, uh, of course, I was in the co-parent scene. And I remember, like, I guess I was having a conversation with my ex. And she was demanding that I get a tent 
that it was not not right that we were not sleeping without a tent. I'm like, okay, all right, you know, we're separated. I don't want any hassles, so I'll throw down and I'll I'll get a tent. And I went to I think maybe there was a store on the campground. I don't know where I went. Maybe in town or something. Not much of a town, but so I buy this tent. And uh, I think I got the biggest tent that I could. And then, so I had the I had the uh, the, the inflatable bed because we needed something to sleep on. Right. I, I don't think I had any sleeping bags. I had the inflatable bed and some blankets and some pillows. It was fine. It was like sleeping out on the stars. It was fine. So then I put this tent together and then I put the inflatable bed inside of the tent and I fill it up and it's like pushing out the, the walls of the tent. Okay. It's, it's like the tent is fucking pregnant and we could only get into the tent through a small hole between the, the inflatable bed and the top of the tent, which it was fine, right? It was okay, whatever, it was fine. But it was funny. It was like the, the tent did not match the size of the inflatable bed. So there was that. And then they, and, I, and again, I've told this story before, so don't stop me if you've heard this one. Um, they had these little inflatable inner tubes that you could rent there. Because there was a, I think it's Big Sur Creek, that runs through this campground and a number of other campgrounds. And it eventually empties out into the Pacific Ocean. So like, okay, let's run a couple of inner twos. You know, my kid is into it and everything. And yeah, he's, you know, Pisces, water, adventure. So we rent these inner tubes and where we rent them, it's pretty deep. And all these people splashing around and the current was real, really gentle. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're just floating down. Nobody tells me what's on the other side of this one area where we're just floating around. And as soon as we kind of turn the corner, the water level drops precipitously. And it becomes this kind of raging creek slash river. Okay, and the water level is really low. It's low, but it's so low that me, being six foot three, I think at that time it was around two, around two twenty five, maybe two thirty. You know, my ass starts dragging bottom. That's how low it is. My kid, on the other hand, is not. He's light. He's not that big, and he's floating on top of the water and shooting down this, this creek river like a missile. And if you're a parent, in that moment, right, you are, like, fucking freaked out because you don't know where that's going to wind up, right? Because this thing is going into the freaking ocean, which eventually I learned later that it may, he may have, if he had survived... <laughs> the first set of rapids and gone down. And I think eventually he would have hit the beach and probably would not have been washed out because it was very, the water level was very thin at that point. But he's like just a, he's a, you know, missile going down this Creek river and I'm dragging ass. And as a parent, that's one of the worst feelings of your life. And so I could see up ahead that there was this big rock downstream and I yelled at him 
to get a hold of that rock right at the top of my lungs. Meanwhile, I got to figure out how to get down this fucking river because I can't, I can't float, right? So I get up, and by the way, I don't have any shoes on. I left my shoes back at the uh, rental place for the inner tube. And so I start running down this creek bed, but they have these massive river rocks in there. And so I'm trying to get traction with these river rocks. And at one point, my foot, I could feel it. I could feel it happen. My foot got wedged in between one of these river rocks. And it was like, okay, I'm about to uh, break my ankle here. And so I had to, I had to slow down. And then I'm like, what do I do? Okay, I'm going to get on my I'm going to get on my belly and I'm literally going to crawl dog paddle down. The, and that worked. I got there. And lo and behold, on that rock was my kid clinging to it. Like, you know, somebody on the, at the edge of a cliff face. <laughs> and I managed to peel him off that, that cliff. It wasn't big. It was, you know, it was maybe six feet high or something. But it was six feet higher than the than this raging little creek river thing. So weird. And I was able to get them. It was, I was exhausted by the time I got there because you're pumping adrenaline and you're trying to deal with the uh, the elements, right? So we get our we get our inner tubes. Now we have to walk back. And I have I think I think he had. I think he might've had his flip-flops and we were able to get them. Like we were able to pick up his flip-flops. He had, I had nothing. So now I'm walking back to the original spot where we got the inner tubes and I'm like hitting pebbles. I'm hitting thorns. I mean, it was not fun, right? It was like, okay, dad, you fucked up and here's your, here's your, <laughs> here's your medicine, right? But he's, it's one of those stories that you can live to tell about it. Now, in retrospect, it's kind of funny. But during that moment of crisis, it was not funny at all. I got to tell you. What I could have used, guess what I could have used? I could have used some CBD. I could have used some CBD after that moment. You know what that is? That's a plug. And that's for uh, True Hemp Science, who is a sponsor of the show. And um, I was talking with my buddy Ben last night from uh, Australia. You know, I didn't realize this, but Australia is not where the US is with CBD. Like, first of all, it's hard to get. You have to have a prescription to get CBD. And second of all, the, um, the potency of the CBD is way down, right? Way down. So Australia is really behind the curve on the CBD world. Because he was asking about the gummies last night, and um, you know if I could if I could somehow ship the gummies to Australia, I don't know. I'll have to have a conversation with Chris. But I wasn't aware of that with uh, with the uh, Australian situation with CBD. Now you can get CBD at Seven Eleven. That's how ubiquitous it is. Anyway, again, if you're interested, these are really good products. Uh, some of the highest uh, THC terpene to CBD. They also have non-THC CBD. So you can go either way here. And um, if you go through the link there on 
my homepage and uh, go to truehemscience.com slash reference slash 23. That is the link associated with my account. Use 15 mins as your uh, code and you'll get $20 worth of product added to your order, which is a nice little deal. And you get to help support the show. Speaking of support the show, you can also always over here, I have three levels of membership. We've got the Mercury, we've got Mars, we've got Jupiter. Uh, you can always donate, subscribe and support that way. I mean, this is what we do, right? This, this is how I, you know, along with doing my astrological work, this is how we keep it all together um, and have additions like a new camera and hopefully more to come here on the broadcast side of things. So I'm going to get into the stories of the day, okay? And by the way, if I left somebody out with Chatlandia, I apologize because usually I go through everybody. Let me just go back here. Who else do we have? Did I leave anybody out? Uh, Tamara, we got Tamara there. David, hi, David. Beautiful, blustery Maryland. That sounds pretty cool. Miss Nakia, Mark Matheny, Jeanette Napolitano, September 22nd birthday, as is Nick Cave. There you go. Joan Jett. Mark knows everybody's birthday. Good to see you, Mark. I hope you're well. Losing animals is hard, man. It's really hard. You know why? You know why losing animals is also hard? Because losing a human can be complicated. Like when somebody in your family dies, you don't always love that person unconditionally. Like there can be issues. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, you know... He can be a real asshole at times. And he did this to me and that to me. And yeah, we had some, like, you have to really work through some shit when you lose a person sometimes. With an animal, you really don't have to work through shit, right? Like, you don't have those kinds of dialogues in your head and try to get to a place where you're reasonably okay and non-judgmental about them leaving. Sometimes with humans, like, you're glad that they leave. Am I right? I'm like, oh, thank God. About time. I've told this story before, okay? I'll tell it again, but I love my father dearly. Don't get me wrong. He, my father was a, a very interesting, unique guy. Like, I've never met anybody like my father, just in terms of his ability to make things. Uh, he was a brilliant, like, artisan, craftsperson, mechanic he could, the guy was like very interesting dude okay he didn't he didn't graduate from high school he eventually took a GED many years later I mean this is a guy who would like when he would landscape our front yards and I mean landscape not like hey we're gonna throw a yard in there like you know grass and he would draw the landscape stuff out that's how precise and he was fucking good right? Really good. And he would lay concrete and, you know, he was really good at uh, like pebble work. You know, he knew how to do all that stuff. He could make steps. The guy was, you know, in his own way, he was a fucking genius. He could cook. He was a great cook. Um, you know, a super talented guy, but also pretty, <laughs> kind of tortured too, right? And um, in, in mythology, he reminded me of Hephaestus. 
who is the wounded smith in the wounded forge of the underworld. That's what he reminded me of. And, uh, you know, and I had a complex relationship with him. A lot of times it was good, and other times it wasn't so good. But his spirit was omnipresent, completely omnipresent in my life. And even when I was away from him, right, like miles away, the, the spirit was omnipresent. Like I could feel the imprint of his spirit. And not always in a good way, because I associated that with being um, eclipsed or not being able to at times even articulate what I wanted to articulate with him. It was really a tricky, it was a tricky relationship. In astrology, at Mars and Scorpio, so his Mars was in my 12th house. He's a, you know, he's a hidden enemy to me, right? I mean, that's how that shit works. So when he passed away, and again, I would, would I have wanted him to stick around? Sure, absolutely. Wasn't like, you know, I was, you know, looking at the uh, minutes on my watch, like, when are, you, when are you checking out here, dude? Right? Would I want him to stick around? Sure, absolutely. But when he did pass away, I felt this, um, for lack of a better term, a burden lift off of me. It was like, wow, I feel free. I mean, really, I, I'm just being straight up here. I, I was like, I feel free. And I was able to speak and articulate. Not that I couldn't before, but it was like a whole nother level. And then the other weird thing that happened when he passed away, I felt like part of him energetically, like the, the heavy part left. The heavy part left. Those The heavy cords were unplugged. But I also felt like I got this weird energy boost from him after he died. It was very interesting. It was a very interesting time when he passed away. And that does happen. You know, people have com complex relationships with people when they pass away, especially if the, you know, relationship itself was complex. You don't have that with pets. You know, you don't say, God, I'm glad that asshole died. Right. And some cats can be assholes, but usually if you have an asshole cat, you don't have an asshole cat for long. And there's usually a reason why they're an asshole. It's because you've helped make them an asshole. Right. <laughs> pinky like pinky i'll play the pinky video if you haven't seen pinky we'll play pinky before the show is over but you're absolutely right losing the pets is hard it's the hardest because you know even if they were mischievous pets it pales in comparison to what humans can do right so the grief is in a lot in a lot of ways the grief is more pure than uh the grief of Losing a human. Does that make sense? Uh, Sony, I'm an all animal person. Let's see who else do we have here. That's me with cats. It just never worked out. Basically given up on pets for I love them, but it's a lot. Oh, did sea pines as an animal too? I just missed that. Let me see. We lost one of our dogs last week. Yeah, it is tough, man. It's just... I don't want to be a conspiracy conspiracy theorist. I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. But it feels like we're losing more pets, doesn't it? It feels that way. It feels like we're losing more pets. 
Just saying. Let's see, anybody else here? Um, I love my dogs. Is any one of them is incredible. Absolutely. Arlene Vega, morning, Arlene. Good to see you. I love how she said, good morning, family. That is so great. You know, we have lost people here too. And, you know, I've been wanting to uh, just do a brief mention of Judy, who was uh, a big supporter of the show. And, um, you know, absolutely, I'm not, I'm not afraid to say it, right? She loved me, right? Judy loved me and I love Judy. And she was great. And she actually made it to one of our events. She made it to the first event. She tried to make it to the second event and, um, you know, just, she, she didn't make it. I mean, it literally she was coming down and she just could not make Tamara, Tamara knows who she is. Um, Judy is a Taurus. So, you know, we lost, we, you know, we've lost people here. Um, Marion, who's an Aries, and I should have probably you know, mentioned and, and remembered Marion last month. And these people were interesting people. Like, I'll never forget, you know, Judy was on oxygen. She's on fucking oxygen. And she's like walking around uh, Enchanted Rock, not on the mountain, but in the park with her oxygen tank. I mean, what a trooper, total trooper. You know, she, and I think she absolutely loved being at our event. I mean, and she was one of those mem very memorable people. You don't, you don't forget her and you just don't forget her spirit. You know, she had quite a spirit. Marion, talk about spirit. Oh my God. Like Mar Marion had enough personality for like three people. She was so fascinating. <laughs> I have to say Marion was one of the most interesting people I've ever met. And, um, God, I wonder if I could go back and maybe I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Because we're coming up on Mercury retrograde. That's like right around the corner. I'm going to tomorrow, I'm, tonight, I'm going to find the clips with Marion. And uh, I think I have one with Marion and maybe Judy. I know I have one with Marion from the first event uh, on YouTube. I mean, I'm going to go find it just so you can see what a, uh, like Marion was unforgettable. She could sing, man, could she sing? She sang all the time. She's such a great voice. She was German and she married her husband. Uh, she met her husband, Charlie, over in Germany. And um, Charlie's from Texas and Charlie's black. And um, so when she moved to Texas with Charlie, she started hanging out with Charlie and Charlie's family. And Marion didn't have great English skills. So when she came to the United States and started to, um, you know, hone her English skills, she was hanging out with Charlie and Charlie's family. So she had this really interesting combination of like sort of this Texas Southern drawl with a bit of a quote unquote black inflection you know, whatever kind of residue she had left over from her German accent and whatever kind of English, quote unquote, she was 
process, like the most interesting accent that I'd ever heard. And then, you know, she's gone. We found out during the last event and with Judy just before um, the last event, right? It was, it was rough. So, you know, we've lost people too here, part of this group. And uh, who knows, maybe there's more that I don't know about. All right, who else do we have? Um, Arlene says she wanted me to kill spiders. She wanted me to get out of the uh, chat window, just read through it. JJ's here. Hi, JJ, you are late. JJ, you'll have to stay after class. Death is hard enough, but it's devastating to watch a loved one in pain. That was so, so hard. Like watching my father wither away, whoa, that was not fun. You know, somebody who you um, experience is vital, a vital person, larger than life, and watching them shrink, that is rough. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Who else do we have? Best Beth Berry. What's going on, Beth? Good to see you. Oh, look who's here speaking of pets. Jasper, I got to figure out how to clone you. Um, Steve says he saw Wall of Voodoo open for Living Color. Wow, that must have been a great show. Living Color was a badass band. I don't like all their music. So, you know, their albums are kind of hit and miss. But when they hit, boy, it is like deep to center field, way in the upper deck, right? And Vern and Reek can just shred on guitar. All right, who else do we have? I was more concerned with cartoons in those days. I guess that you were there in the 80s. Uh, forgive us, boomers, Kelly B. Uh, let's see. No forgiveness for boomers these days. What? What? Boomers ain't doomers. That's for sure. Weird science. What else? Anybody else? Did I miss anybody else? Bonnie, checking in from Wisconsin. Hi, Bonnie. Um, let me just go through this. Let me see if I... Mr. JMP, what's going on, Jacqueline? Good to see you. Well, what are you doing? I, I used to get Saturday attention for cutting class to go to breakfast with my bestie. I had Saturday attention a few times. We called it Saturday school. Yes, I was one of those breakfast club kids. Uh, just spent two hours reading something from my Facebook Cosmic Astrology page. Been there, done that. You're feeling very, you're feeling very loving today, aren't you? So we have a new cat on the scene. It's a it's a feral cat. I've talked about this cat before. I call I call it I call it Samba. And um, her her people zone is getting shorter. Because I, I feed her and the, I, I'm just going to be straight up. The other cat that's still around here, Max, 
he's very loving. He's a very loving cat. He's a bit of a dimwit. Yesterday, I was walking into the house, and I've got a planter box in front of them. I'm trying to grow some herbs, some chives, and some uh, rosemary. And in the center, I had some uh, catnip. I thought, okay, I'll grow some catnip. And, you know, Max will like the catnip, whatever, right? He started sleeping in the catnip in this planter box. Killed the catnip. They moved on to the chive. Like, he's sleeping on the fucking chive. I'm like, dude, why are you sleeping on the chive? What is up with that? You're being a cat now. You have a chair over here. You have a cat house that I purchased for you and assembled for you. Like you have options. Why are you sleeping on the chive? Anyway, um, so he's here. And then this little black feral cat is coming around. It's been coming around for a while. And the zone for the black feral cat has gotten closer and closer. And I've been, so <laughs> I also have armadillos on this property. So last night I fired up my, my, my grill, put some coals on it. And as I walk out, I see this little black cat and the armadillo and they're kind of in the same area and they're kind of like moving in the same direction at the same time. Like, oh, here comes a human, right? I'm like, what are they doing together? Like, what is the relationship between this black cat and this armadillo? And I see this armadillo around, he lives in the bushes and, uh, Man, they are prehistoric looking. Anyway, the black cat now is starting to hang out on the porch when I'm not there. So there's another, I should probably call that shadow. Wouldn't that be like the right name? Because she's kind of a shadowy cat, you know? It's there, not there. Friendly, not friendly. Unlike Jasper. Jasper's a big sir cat. Okay, all right, enough cat talk. Let's talk about the show today. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you for being here. And shout out to Ivory Coast. Whoever you are in Ivory Coast, you are, and I think it's one person. I don't think I've got a bunch of people in Ivory Coast listening to this. Like, I don't think I'm going viral in Ivory Coast. Well, that would be kind of cool. That'd be kind of cool. But um, whoever you are, thanks for being here. And I'm glad you're enjoying the programming because you've put Ivory Coast in the top five of the podcast rankings. And right now the uh, podcast rankings are, uh, of course, the United States number one. USA, USA, USA. I hate that. I, I, it bothers the shit out of me. USA. Not that I'm not in a USA. I love the United States. I probably love it more now than I ever have, to be honest with you. It's hard to love this country when you understand what goes on at a high level. <clears throat> love the people, don't love the politics. That's always been my <clears throat> buy into being here. Love the people, don't love the politics. Um, so USA is one, Canada, number two. Canada, you rock. I have a lot of clients from Canada. I've got an interesting connection with Canada. Canada, you rock. Number three, anarchy in the UK. We're talking England, not Scotland, not Ireland, although we do have listeners in Ireland. England, number three. Number four, Australia. And got a strong kind of base in Australia. Liz Atwell shows up every now and then in chat. I know she's over on um, uh, the 11th House Telegram channel. 
And then uh, after Australia, it's, uh, it's Germany. Germany comes in right after Australia. And then it's been going back and forth between Ivory Coast and Croatia. Those two countries kind of go back and forth. So there's kind of a competition there in terms of number of downloads. So if you're listening to the podcast, thank you very much. And there's another number of other countries that have listens. Uh, you know, there's a few. I have one listen from Ukraine, uh, seven downloads from Russia. So we are global. You know, I was thinking about, uh, in fact, I was, I was talking with, uh, texting with Johnny Cruz. I promise we'll get into today's show. Sometimes I do, I do fall prey to a bit too much banter, but, you know, what else are you doing at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning with a cup of coffee? You may as well kind of banter back in the chat, right? So I was texting with uh, my man, Johnny Cruz, and um, we were talking about podcasts. And I've been noticing this trend now. And the trend is people who were part of legacy media and even people who weren't part of legacy media are now jumping into the YouTube and the, and the streaming and the podcast world. Uh, so I'll give you, I'll give you one example. Um, not a bad one. Jason Whitlock. I like Jason a lot. I think he's a little too obsessed with this whole Elon Musk Twitter thing. We'll talk about that too. But, um, you know, he's somebody that came from legacy media. He was on Fox Sports, had a great show. Speak for Yourself was must-see TV. And the reason it was must-see TV is because he had a bunch of people. He'd have athletes on there. And a lot of times the athletes didn't agree with him. And Jason was able to hold his own and kind of debate in real time these athletes who were really – I think it's unfair to make athletes – uh, kind of the gold standard for for being a spokesperson and having really informed takes. They're not. In most cases, they're not. But he was great. And when Black Lives Matter came around, his contract was up with Fox. So they flushed him. and Or he, they flushed him. He left. He, it was like he was over L.A. He wanted to go to a place that was not as um, quote unquote woke. So he relocated to Tennessee and he did that with uh, Outkick, which is something that Clay Travis started. I think eventually got bought by some other company. It didn't work out for him. It was not a good fit. I remember watching his early podcast on Outkick. What the fuck happened to Jason Whitlock? Dude lost his fastball. I mean, he was bad. He was really bad. And the reason he was bad is because he didn't like his deal with Outkick. So eventually he managed to score a deal with Glenn Beck and he's, um, you know, on the blaze now. And so I don't watch him on the blaze. I watch him on YouTube, but he's a legacy media person that has done really, really well on YouTube. Probably could do better if YouTube was actually honest about their views and their subscribers, but there's more, you know, you have Will Smith and Jada Pinkett and any number of actors, you've got ex-athletes like Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson and uh, Brandon Marshall and Chad Johnson. So these people now who theoretically 
would have had legacy media shows like on HBO or Showtime or even Netflix. They're into the YouTube world now because they know that number one, it's cost effective. You know, they can invest in some production, but they're not going to, they're not going to break the bank. They can be their own bosses. You know, they don't have to go through a middleman. They can get sponsorships. They can get paid for views because let's be honest, right? They're, they're not going to get booted off of YouTube. Generally speaking, a lot of those people are just going to be right in the lines. So there's another guy who I was looking at yesterday. His name is Lex Friedman, but it's F-R-I-D-M-A-N. And I think I became aware of him as a guest on Joe Rogan. And Lex, Lex Friedman is one of these machine learning guys. Like he's one of the progenitors of machine learning. And he's a big AI guy. And I think he taught at one of the Ivy League schools. Um, he's a Ukrainian Jew. So he, I think he's on the spectrum a little bit. He's one of these spectrum guys. But he also has, I think, a black belt in jujitsu. I mean, if you were to look at him, you say, well, okay, well, this guy is mildly interesting, right? So he, he starts a podcast. And, you know, he's it's become very popular. I think he's got 1.7 million subscribers. Is he good? I don't know if he's good or not. It's like my standards are different. Um, and he just did an interview with uh, Rick Rubin and all these people are just like drooling over it. But here's my bone to pick. I found a bone. I'm going to pick it. This guy comes out of academia. That's his world. And he's coming into this pot. And nobody says you can't do both. Okay, I'm not, if, you, if that's what you're going to do, that's what you're going to do. Just, you know, the, the, we live in a world where, and especially in the United States, where you can do that. But it's not like I could go into academia. It's not like I can start teaching at uh, MIT or, or Harvard, right? So it's like, okay, well, you can do this crossover here and take advantage of your, your uh, you know, your status. It's not like I can just, you know, start teaching at, uh, oh, you can do that. You want to, you, you could go into machine. Well, no, I can't. It's not, it's not what I was about, right? So what, what I'm seeing here with YouTube particularly is that YouTube was built by people like me, okay? Built by people like me. And I'll be honest with you, there are people that are way more successful than me on YouTube, way more successful. Now, I never really felt like I got the full picture because I think YouTube was throttling me for a long. And I knew this. You know when I knew this? It's when I went over to Vimeo for a brief period of time before they kicked me off their platform. Um, when I was on Vimeo, I started to see the stats. I'm like, holy fuck, I am getting a lot of views over here. This is significant. Way more. There were way more views than what YouTube was purporting to me. Gee, I wonder what was going on. Well, they were, and this happens. They, YouTube will unsubscribe people. They don't like you, they'll unsubscribe you. You know, they won't, they won't post your video in an area where they'll suggest your video. They won't do that. So it, it, you can be hard, it can be hard to be discovered on YouTube. If you don't fit a demographic and you, you are a contrarian to whatever ideology YouTube is espousing, you're not going to get the traction, just the way it is, right? 
but they will promote Lex Friedman. Trust me, he'll show up on, you know, all these feeds. So you have this system that was built by people like um, um, Scotty Wilner. There's a good example. Crazy car mechanic guy. He's got millions of views. Millions of views. And he's a guy that like knows a shit ton about cars, um, is you know not politically correct, goofy, um, and he's been a huge YouTube success, right? You got people with cooking channels, who just you know they're not on the they're not on the Food Network, right? So what do they do? They start a YouTube channel and they become really successful. It's, what does YouTube do? They wind up getting all these stats and data and views, and they can go out to these corporations and say, "Hey, look, you know we've got a shit ton of people here." And by the way, they're making free content for YouTube. They're making free content. YouTube is providing the, the platform technology. So there's a bit of a trade-off there, right? But YouTube is not paying those people. They're paying them in terms of views. If you can have a show that gets you views and you can get paid for it, which I was demonetized a long time ago. Like I was demonetized, I think in 2011. So I needed to come up with a different plan. I couldn't just do the, you know, the YouTube path, right? So you have, you have the infrastructure, the views, like YouTube is built by the everyman because in 2011, 2010, 2011, which is really when YouTube starting to come online, 2012 legacy media is still really big. Cable TV is still really big, right? So these people are in there and they're growing it. And now we're at a point where legacy media is dying and you have these people that were legacy media people. Now they're on YouTube. And because they have a name like Brandon Marshall or Lex Friedman or whoever they are, Matt Barnes, they're going to get views because they're bringing their brand and their name into YouTube. Now, Johnny brought something up that I thought was interesting is that if they could make the playing field level, with the speech stuff, right? Then it would be a game changer. It'd be a total game changer. Because the people who have brands have a lot more to lose if they have unpopular opinions, right? If they have brands, they have a lot more to lose because of unpopular opinions. So if you have people that have unpopular opinions, they can become popular because they're saying things that other people aren't saying, which would force the people who have unpopular opinions to, you know, this is how the game works. They would have to reconsider their opinions because their opinions now are lagging behind the other the people that are like having interesting and unique opinions and not just some kind of corporate or consensus woke take, right? In a, level playing field, those people would get decimated, decimated. So we're in interesting times and uh, the media itself is clearly, um, it's a battlefield. That's where we are. It's a battlefield right now for eyeballs, for consciousness and for attention. Okay, a little rant there. We soldier on. I do like the new camera. This image is great. 
I may have to get another one. I think I might have to retire. So what I did, just to let you know, I got indulgent. I now have two cameras and two sets. This is my stand-up set. And then I have my sit-down set. My sit-down set has the other camera. So I don't have to change cameras. I'm just going to walk from one set to another set, right? I think I'm going to get another camera. That other camera, I can see it's fading a little bit, kind of glitching out. This camera spoiled me. I look better in this camera too, I have to say. That other camera, I was not looking as good. So that's another reason why to get rid of it. Um, all right, let's talk about, here I am, like over an hour into the show. Now I'm just going to start talking about the show. Thank you for putting up with me. I know sometimes I, I, I ramble a little bit. Oh, by the way, just I'll tell this story. Uh, this is the reverse, right? So you have Alex Stein, who just signed a deal with Glenn Beck and the Blaze. So he came up through YouTube and had his show. And, you know, Alex Stein is, does great work. He's really hardworking. He's super funny. He's super intelligent. He's very self-aware. He's self-aware at like three or four different levels. It's fun to watch him. I'm not always into him, by the way, but I understand what he's doing. And I think he's really good at what he does. And so Glenn Beck just signed him. He's going to be on The Blaze. He also signed a weird deal with Charlie Kirk's thing, whatever. I mean, I guess Charlie Kirk does speaking stuff. But hey, you know, dude, when you're hot, you're hot. Sign the contracts, sign the deals. It may not happen again, right? Ride that wave. Congratulations to Alex Stein. Okay, let's talk about uh, let's talk about Johnny Depp. There's there's weird connections between Johnny Depp and Elon Musk. And they both happen to be in the news at the same time. This is really strange. You are so funny there. People love it when you photobomb, by the way. Do it again. Photobomb again. People love it. Just don't knock the camera over. You're a little close to it. What do you see? You see your buddy? You see your buddy out there? All right, so Johnny Depp, Elon Musk. Strange connections. Connection number one. When Amber Heard and Johnny Depp split up, who did Amber Heard date? She dated Elon Musk. You good? See you later. She dated Elon Musk. Both Elon Musk and Amber Heard have children through the in vitro process. That's the other thing that's weird about the whole thing. In vitro. Now, astrologically, I think Amber Heard and Johnny Depp are a terrible match, by the way. Terrible match. Uh, Amber Heard and Elon Musk whoever, whatever Elon Musk is, I don't fucking know at this point. He could be, he could be trans. He could be transhuman. I don't know what he is. I do know he's got a lot of backing, but Amber Heard and, and Elon Musk astrologically much better. And they could have just had an in vitro romance together. It would have been just fine. Right. But it's weird, right? Because now we have this whole Amber Heard thing with Johnny Depp, which is in week fucking three of the trial week three i might play a clip 
don't know if you guys saw the the this the, the trial is tilting into absurdity. Like it's it was it it was already there at the beginning. Like I understand what Johnny Depp is trying to do. He's trying to somehow reclaim part of his good name while he struggles with holding on to his soul or trying to find his soul again, right? This is part of what he's doing. And he's being humiliated in a lot. Like his, his life is bare. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into some of that too. So this is happening at the same time that Elon Musk is buying Twitter, right? So you have these tracks with Elon Musk and Johnny Depp and Amber Heard is the thing that it connects the two of them. It's, it's very strange here that this, that this thing is happening. Now, is there any cosmic significance behind it? I, the only thing that I can think of with both of them is that they're both major fucking distractions. We, there's a ton of shit going on in Ukraine and Russia, right? There, there are things that are going on there. Some of it is palpable and real. Other parts of it are pure theater and, and staged Warcraft. Again, part of our, our um, current reality where you can't really distinguish the two at times, right? There's that. Um, there's also the thing that's happening with COVID. People are still dropping like flies. Even though Tony Fauci has said it's over, he said it's over. Jen Psaki in the White House don't agree with Tony Fauci. Even though Tony Fauci a week ago uh, was bemoaning the fact that a federal judge basically said, yeah, you're not wearing, you don't have to wear masks on planes anymore. And he was, he was bemoaning that fact and was essentially saying that uh, they have no place to do that. Like that is the CDC's job to determine what these policies are because they're, they're the ones that are more equipped, better equipped to understand the very complex fucking nature of this thing, right? The CDC are criminals. That's what they are. Center for Degenerated Criminals. That's what it stands for. They're total criminals. They've always been criminal. They're in bed with Big Pharma you know, they, they just look the other way when Big Pharma fucks up. You know, when a trial, when Big Pharma does a trial and somehow has to go through the FDA and the CDC's got kind of a look at, ah, okay, it looks good to us. Whatever. Just, you know, if you fuck up, just make sure you settle. We'll just, you know, we'll just, we'll look the other way. Same with the FDA. This is the way it is, right? See ya. But uh, Fauci was like, oh, courts don't, the courts aren't equipped enough. They don't know what's going on. And that, that's part of the medical and pharmaceutical technocracy. That's what's happening. So that's done, right? Even though the administration thinks it's not done. But there are other things that are happening. This thing with the fertilizer and the food processing plants, there was an Amish guy who is being fined now $250,000 because he's processing his own meat. He grows his own meat. He's processing it because the meat processor that he's connected to 
can't do it for whatever reason. I don't know if there was a casualty on the war on food processing or whether because they're not in business anymore, but the FDA has come in and said, yeah, we're going to fine you $250,000 for processing your own meat. You have um, a fertilizer company begging Biden, begging Biden to allow the railroad to carry their fertilizer. What kind of country are we living in now where, where Biden or whomever, it doesn't matter who it is, right? It could be anybody because that's who Biden is. He's anybody at this point. Can just make this off the cuff ruling and standard. No, you can't ship that fertilizer. Really? So this is going on and this is a big deal. And you may not feel it this week, next week, or maybe next month, but maybe at the end of the summer when Thanksgiving rolls around and you're paying $100 for a medium-sized turkey, like sometimes when you buy one of those big organic turkeys, you'll pay about 100 bucks, but you're paying for a really good turkey who had a great life, a pampered turkey life, no hormones, right? Got massages. You're paying for that. Now you probably pay the same price for a medium-sized, relatively clean turkey. If it don't kill them off, if the turkeys don't fall prey to bird flu, just before uh, Thanksgiving, oh, the turkeys are having a terrible bout with the bird flu. We got to kill a bunch of turkeys. That's going on, right? The Federal Reserve is putting walls around the Federal Reserve. That's going on. Like there's shit happening. Every day, right? Every day, the World Economic Forum, the Federal Reserve, the Rothschild family and above keep chipping away at the system and not the bad parts of the system. You notice that? They don't chip away at the bad parts of the system. They chip away at the good parts. You're like, hey, chip away at the bad parts for a while. Give the good parts a little bit of a break. You know, we could use a break on the good parts. Why don't you chip away at some like dirty shit, right? Chip away at that. Give it a rest. No, they're not going to do that because they chip away at the things that are essential to us. Like food, like companionship, like family, like our health, right? Let's just chip away at that. Let's chip away at your ability to uh, make a living. Well, you're not gonna you're not gonna make a living if you're not gonna get that jab, you're not gonna get that those papers, right? What are people gonna do? What are people going to do when this whole thing is over and people have been vaccine damaged? What are they gonna do? And they look around and somebody who did not take the vaccine still has their job because they held out long enough and the landscape changed. Now, I'm not saying that they can't bring some shit back. They could and they might, right? They could and they might. We've seen them do it before. But when you go this far down the path and people have been in this lax place with no mass, of course they want you to take in as much spike proteins then what other garbage people are shedding, that's a big part of it. Oh, don't wear a mask. You don't need to wear a mask anymore. In fact, we want you to go 
hang out with your Vax friends, right? Have a Vax friend party, get Vax together again. Go do that. You know what happens when you do that? You get fucking sick, okay? I wouldn't know that. I don't have any friends. I do have friends, but they're not here. They're not here. I live a very uh, solitary life in a lot of ways. So this is what's going on with Elon Musk and Twitter, right? And what's going on with Johnny Depp and the trial, which is really entertaining. It's the fucking most entertaining thing I've seen in a long time. High level, high value of entertainment. It's Johnny Depp's rule of a lifetime. This is a movie. We're watching a movie. And there are two actresses, or there's two actors in the movie. Johnny Depp, main actor. This is the, this is the, the sequel to The Rum Diaries, or The Rum Diary. This is what happens after The Rum Diary. I was watching this uh, psychiatrist again last night, the one who did the forensic stuff. Boy, she fucking nailed Amber Heard and uh, borderline personality disorder. Wow. Totally, totally nailed her. Had the DSM codes and everything. Amber Heard's not looking very... So the thing that's coming out about this, Johnny Depp is looking slightly pathetic because of all the drugs. He's looking like he cared about Amber Heard and tried to... uh, make the relationship work during times where it was really going off the rails, but he couldn't do it because she had worn him down so much. And this is one of the things she talks about with the, with the borderline personality disorder is that somebody with her, it's, it's a very specific cluster apparently. And it's, it's like locked into linked into narcissism, but it's also linked into abandonment. And so what happens is that these people like Amber Heard, once they feel like somebody is abandoning them and the abandonment can be anything. It could be like um, somebody not pledging loyalty to another person, but displaying a certain loyalty to another person. They could see that as a, a threat. And then they would see that as being like an abandonment issue, right? That would trigger their abandonment issues. And then what would they do? They, they generally have these explosive fits. And then after the explosive fit is over, they have remorse, um, they apologize, and they try to bring things back together again. But these things happen consistently. And what happens to the person who's on the other side of it is they get worn down. And that is a strategy. The the wearing down of that person is a strategy so that now they're vulnerable. And now that person has got them in a place where it's almost impossible for them to leave because they have been essentially like bound in a web of psychological and emotional trauma and dependency. The same thing that probably occurred to that person, they are now modifying the person that they're with to have their experience, but be on the other end of that experience. This is what the psychiatrist brought up. 
This is exactly what Amber Heard did. She wore Johnny Depp down. And again, I'm not taking Johnny Depp's side. This is a guy that's got issues with his soul. And I've already mentioned that. And what she is, she's a manifestation of his soul. And she, she was, she's there to eat away at him, right? She's there to eat away at him. And he was seduced. He was seduced by her and he was seduced by Hunter S. Thompson. And he was probably seduced by any number of other things, including Damian Nichols and the West Memphis Three, right? So there's a lot of seduction that plays a role in Johnny Depp's life. He's a Leo rising. And Leo rising people uh, need to feel, you know, like they're being recognized and loved. So this is a very interesting distraction that's going on right now. And then the whole Elon Musk and Twitter thing, it's another layer of distraction. And they're connected, right? They're connected. And I apologize. I was going to try to reach out to um, James Madison University. I might do that later today and just record that on my own. I wanted to talk to their press person. And I wanted to ask questions about Lauren Burnett, who just died mysteriously. I, did, I feel like we can't let her death just be another statistic. I don't know why. And, a lot, and I've seen a lot of these deaths. For whatever reason, this is one that really jumps out at me. Maybe it's because she's a baseball player. Anyway, we're just being fed this theater of distraction. And even with Twitter and Elon Musk, we're like what's Elon Musk going to do with that data? Because the other thing that's connected to all this is if, when you watch the Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, really they're taking bits and pieces from recordings, videos, uh, texts, emails, uh, video camera on, a, on an elevator, right? So this trial isn't just a trial between two people who are disgruntled, one who is trying to reclaim his name, the other who is countersuing, because she is countersuing, right? It's also our privacy is on trial. The, uh, the, the whole Depp Amber Heard thing is a model for the trial of the future, it feels very Kafka-esque in a lot of ways. And then you have Elon Musk, who will be in charge of Twitter, and all that data. What's he going to do with all that data? That's a lot of data. And everything you have ever done pretty much is online, right? They have it. They've got all these shows and all my tweets and all my text messages. And by the way, I'm very conscious and aware about what I text and what I send in an email. Trust me. And I'm not really trying to hide anything. I'm not, I'm pretty transparent, but I'm also thinking, could this ever be taken out of context? And I'm sure I've got more than a few of those. All right, let me, let me play this one clip. We've only got seven minutes left. Let me play this one clip. I think I saved it. And um, go here. I'm on a Mexican radio. All right, let me do this. Okay, save this. I gotta find my uh, my saved shit. All right, give me one sec here. Purchase is a membership. How about settings? Do we have it in settings? We have saved, billing, saved account, private notification, account, okay. We got uh, privacy, payments, blind payments. Uh, the same thing is like, 
All right, here we go. Watch later. Okay, I found it. Ah, I found it. All right, well, that's not there. Okay. Well, hold on, let's go to the end because we missed the end. Outer limits, elongated skull, kiwis. All right, maybe it's on my other page. Give me one second. I've run out of time. Thanks for being here, by the way. Appreciate you. All right, let's try this one. Oh, these are all the hold back the water covers. Okay, all right, let's do this. Um, okay. Here it is, easy to find, very easy to find. It's two minutes long. All right, so there's this guy, I gotta, I gotta show you here. There's this guy, and this is, this is the absurdity of this thing. Okay, so this guy was the, the, uh, the concierge in their apartment building. And the, the Amber Heard's lawyer, her Karen, is trying to get this guy to admit that Amber Heard had facial swelling. And remember, he did this deposition in 2016, okay? And he's not in the courtroom. He's on a video camera giving, giving his testimony. You got to see this if you haven't seen it. It's fucking hilarious. All right. I'm going to leave you this. It's a little humor. I think this guy is probably doing what we all feel like doing with reality, so-called reality. Check this out. It's hilarious. Videos and replay them. Can you tell me what type of makeup Amber Heard was wearing in any of those videos? Can you believe that? No, I can't, I can't tell you. Can you I didn't even me? know she was wearing any lipstick. Can you tell me? Can you tell me whether Amber Heard was wearing concealer in any of those videos? Uh, no. Can you tell me whether Amber Heard was wearing any foundation in any of those videos? No, I can can't tell you. Can you tell me whether Amber Heard was wearing any blush in any of those videos? No. Can you tell me whether Amber Heard was wearing any powder on, in any of those videos? No, no, but she looks really pale. Well, do you know what shade of concealer or foundation or powder Ms. Heard uses or used at that no. time? No. Okay. Um, so you don't know whether Ms. Heard was wearing makeup in every one of those video clips, correct? Correct. Right. I want to try to move along. So she's vaping. The incident was May 21st, 2016. You saw her the night of May 25th. Correct? Correct. You said ah. you saw Amber Heard hundreds of sure. times while she was there. Amber Heard treat you well and was she friendly to you in each of these hundreds of times? Yes, yes. I, I'm not going to say no because she was really always nice. All right, this I is my last Be nice. All right, this is my last question. You testified in response to Mr. Presidio's questions um, that you testified truthfully in all of these occasions. 
Did you testify truthfully, truthfully to everything that you testified in response to my questions today? That's correct. Uh, All right. I, I did. I, that was a first. I'm sorry. I, I, will, I will say, Your Honor, that is the most bizarre episode. Okay. All right. I just, see, I've just never seen that before. I've seen a lot of things, but I've just never seen that. driving that. Yeah, that did it. Even even the the woman who was the, the def, you know the uh, defense attorney. By the way, it looks like that video was shot in January of 2021. You can see the time code, right? But they're playing it at the, at the trial, and she had grilled that guy for about 45 minutes for an event that took place, I think, in 2016. So even in 2021, it's five years after the fact, and he was just done. At one point, he was like, I just want this to be over. I just want this to be over. It's happened a long time ago. I want to move on. I want to move on. <laughs> and she's trying to ask him, like, if he knew what kind of foundation she fucking wore. It was funny, though. Takes a big hit off his vape and gets in his car. It's like, I'm done. Right. And then the judge is like, that was bizarre. All right. Um, I don't know who's going to be on the show tomorrow. Figure it out. But join me on the Friday Firecast. Thank you for being here. Use your head in order to discern what's real, your heart to say what's possible. Ryan, my brother, you take care. We're all thinking about you and uh, uh, your, you know, the loss of your dear friend, Squeaky. Bye for now. Have a great day. <laughs>